Straw Hut Media. The season 10 finale of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills aired last week, wrapping up 16 weeks of parties, Europe, women with way too much money, and of course, drama. It was good TV, don't get me wrong, but there was one person missing. One person with some super juicy and super queer scandal, Brandy Glanville. Today, September 9th, is the second of the three-part Zoom reunion that will hopefully give us the closure we so desperately crave. Let's talk about that scandal through a queer lens. Does homophobia play a role? Was this whole thing a form of outing? Do reality TV stars forfeit their right to privacy? I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Whether or not you're a fan of reality TV, this particular conflict raises a lot of questions. So for those of you who aren't caught up or interested in the lifestyles of the rich and infamous women of Beverly Hills, here's a quick recap of the season 10 plotline we're talking about. Be warned, it's going to sound like nail salon gossip. Right in the middle of the season, former cast member and fellow Straw Hut Media podcast host Brandy Glanville shows up to a party. She gets very, very drunk and there's immediately some tension between her and Denise Richards. Denise acts like she barely knows her. Brandy slaps her butt. Things are weird. Later, at the urging of her friend Kim, Brandy shares that she and Denise had sex last year. And what's more, Denise has been saying all kinds of mean things about the other wives. The trash talking is what makes the other wives mad. But the hookup is what sends Denise over the edge. Denise denies everything. She says she barely knows Brandy. She says Brandy's making the whole thing up, but Brandy doesn't let up. She says that Denise told her that in her marriage, sex with women didn't count as cheating. And Brandy, having had a marriage fall apart because of her husband cheating, is very sensitive to that. They have sex. In the morning, Denise shares that actually, sex with women is okay only when both she and her husband are involved. She begs Brandy not to tell anybody what happened. And Brandy kept that up for a while. Until, of course, she didn't. Okay, so last year we had Brandy on Pride. We talked about her on-screen versus off-screen personas, her mom's support of Brandy's gay friends in high school, and we talked about her flexible sexuality, crooked AF, as she self-identified. We're going to re-air some of that interview a little later in the show. But first, a quick catch-up with Brandy. How are you doing, Brandy? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. Just hanging out in quarantine like the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How's that been going for you? It's been tough. Honestly, it's like not, it's a, a mind fuck for sure. And I can't get it out of my head, even as everyone is getting kind of back to some sort of normalcy. I just, I still am scared to death. You are. Have you, I mean, so obviously you're wearing a mask anywhere you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And gloves and a hat cause, and glasses because I don't want my ears and my eyes open. I'm a little nutty about it. You're like, I want no exposure. Well, what have you been doing to pass the time? It has been a year since we talked on the Pride podcast. Um, I'm drinking a lot, so that's fun. 
Um, I will say I am drinking more than usual. I did take a few like weeks off as a cleanse. It was good, but you know, it's just it's hard to stay positive right now. Um, I'm trying to for my kids' sake, but it's it's difficult. You know, like what is what does the world look like down the road? And you know, with every second passing, <laughs> getting older and more single, so it's tough. Ugh, and being an election year, it is just, it feels, it just feels lost. You know what it is, but I think all of these things came together for, hopefully for at least one good reason to come out of it, to realize that we have the wrong person leading, which leading is a strong word for this person, but the wrong person in charge of our country, and this is the state of our country because, partly because of the leadership that we haven't had at the past four years and it's just it's time for a change and I think that a lot of people needed to have this rude awakening in order for us to get change happening yeah no I, I kind of feel like that too like maybe everything just came to a head and hopefully a year from now we look back at it and we're like oh that was really hard but we're glad it happened because things are on a better path now yeah, I mean, hopefully we have a new president. You know, obviously I think the one good thing that's coming out of this is the Black Lives Matter movement. It's actually moving for once. Um, it was at a standstill for so long, and it kind of took this for everyone to be sitting on their couch going, wow, we really need to get involved and make some change because it's not change. So I'm trying to see this silver lining, and I'm, I'm just praying and hoping that this all um, comes out to some sort of positive change. Are, are your kids in school right now? How's that working? And how does that work with you? You are super busy. You know, they're here. They're teenagers. It's different. I don't have to be in the rooms helping them with, you know, their computer stuff, which I couldn't even if I was asked to because I suck at that stuff. But they're very capable. They help me with computer stuff. So they, um, you know, they definitely miss their friends and the one thing I will say is I just don't think it's super healthy to be sitting in one space all day long from you know in front of a computer screen I don't think it's great for our children so I hope at some point we can get back to you know some sort of healthy way to you know have schooling outside especially in Los Angeles where it's warm enough to do that and through December you know um, just something where they can you know they're missing out on their social like just socially growing I think is important for them and running around and not just sitting and eating in one spot all day. It's just not healthy. Yeah, yeah. How's that been for you? I've been trying to do like at-home workouts and really like watching what I'm eating because I'm at home, like you said, sitting either at my desk on the computer or I'm watching Netflix. And once in a while, I'll do like some sit-ups. That's it. Like it's so hard because I go from my bed to my couch, back to my bed. I just put an office in my kitchen. So now I have another place to sit, but I'm sitting a lot. Um, I did start like a little workout routine with my neighbor, but it lasted two weeks. And we are quitters, which is what we realize. We we start a lot of things, and we're really good at quitting them. Well, I think that we're all really good at quitting things because I have a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to learn Chinese. Oh, wow, this Rosetta Stone is super hard, so maybe I'm going to take a break on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm only watching Spanish shows right now on Netflix because I am coming out of this pandemic fluent in espanol well see there that's a positive silver lining and i heard you started a new podcast is that true we did um my girlfriend two of my best friends and i uh 
during this Black Lives Matter movement, we thought it was really important, they're both African American, to have the conversations, like to ask the hard questions, you know, and put, like just to start a conversation of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what can we do to make change, what can white people do to make change, what can, you know, black people do to make, like just how do we move forward? How do we continue this conversation without, you know, I don't want people to be afraid to ask questions, so I'm kind of the, the person asking the questions, like what is, I'm, you know, they send us questions and we go back and forth on what's correct and what's not and what, you know, what we all can do to hopefully just find peace in our world. That is so cool. So what is the name of the podcast and where can we listen to it? It's called Black and White Conversations and you can find it on Apple or anywhere you find your podcast. And it's, you know, it's just, it's new and it's, it's we, we tried, I try to make it a little bit funny, but it's, you know, it's a very serious topic. So I try to throw some jokes in there on occasion just to lighten it up, but we are, you know, we're making changes. We are, we're, you know, we're talking about things that no one wants to talk about. We're, you know, asking the hard questions. We're giving the tough answers. And, you know, we're figuring it out together because no one has the actual, like, exact answer because we all, it's subjective. We all have different feelings on what should be okay to say and what shouldn't be okay to say. So, you know, I'm talking to two of my friends that happen to be African-American, and this is their opinion on what they think that is right. So, you know, we're asking people to call in and to visit and come on the podcast and get their opinions. And, you know, we're just trying to start. We're starting the change, which I think is so important. So in addition to launching the podcast, since we last spoke, you are back on Real Housewives. And you're back in a huge way. How has that been? Um, you know, it's funny because I only shot four times at the end of the season. <laughs> so everyone's like, oh my God, it's, you know, the whole season's about you, but I was barely on it. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I just make a splash when I, when I am on, I, I don't know. Um, listen, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, to go back into an arena where everyone is sitting at home, especially right now, and everyone is a little bit depressed and angry to have that feedback. It's mostly not positive, but it's like that for everyone at the moment. So it's definitely a hard time to allow people to have opinions on me as a human being. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, whatever happens on my camera, you know, in my life off camera, if I am called in to shoot, I'm going to share it on camera because that is the job. So, you know, that's what I did. I just told my truth. You know, one of the really cool things that I liked about this season is that your castmates, a lot of them didn't know that you were bisexual, or they at least pretended to to not know that you were bisexual. There's that moment when you tell them you're bisexual and they say they had no idea. Did you realize that all of your castmates didn't know? No, I really, I didn't. I mean, I was kind of in shock that they didn't know because there had been some relationships that I was... I had been in the past that were kind of public, like, you know, played out on the news a little bit. So I was like, huh, well, I mean, maybe they just don't pay attention to me on the news, which is fine. But, you know, I always talked about making out with girls and <laughs> all of these things on the show when I was, you know, when I was on it. So, you know, maybe they just thought it was me joking around. But listen, I am, whatever the word is, pansexual, I am just a sexual being. I like who I like when I like them, and it doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman. And so I don't like the word, I don't really like being called bisexual, but I feel like I'm just a sexual human. 
So I like, you know, whoever turns me on. So, yeah, no, I, I guess for the other women, they're a little more, they've been married for a long time. They're a little, you know, more straight-laced than I am. And maybe they were shocked, you know, if they seem definitely shocked. Yeah, and I mean, you are so open about so many elements of your life. It's also interesting that some of your castmates are not so open. And it made me wonder if you feel like that need to deny things is because someone else on the show may have some deep-seated homophobia within themselves or maybe a little cheater shame. Like, how did you, what was your interpretation of that? Is it that they don't want to be? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't believe that at all I feel like they're you know, most of the women on the show are you know they have a million gay male best friends and they've even talked about having like Erica talked about being with a couple you know I don't think there's any homophobia on the show I think that they might be a little worried about what the audience thinks because they're married and they're moms um, I think that is what is really happening with Denise specifically I don't think anyone else is actually having any issues with it but I think that you know they're just a little they've been married for years and years and years I've been single for a decade you know so I have a different life experience than they do than they do yeah you know I, I've noticed you are in the headlines so much you would think that like you were on set every day all day long because you are such a focal point of media when it comes to the last season and a lot I feel like a lot of outlets talked about it as if you had outed Denise as not straight, even though she had done an interview with Howard Stern where she talked about having sex with women. Did you feel like you outed Denise? No, I really didn't. I thought, like, basically, Denise's entire career has been built on her sexuality and her openness to talk about, you know, her marriage to Charlie Sheen and being with other women and all of these things. So I was just kind of in shock that she was acting like she was in shock. It's like, wait a minute, do you, your whole entire career was built on your sexuality and, and your Wild Things movie and like going on Howard Stern and talking about being with women. And you know, I just, it was a little, um, I felt there was a lot of acting going on. Yeah, I could totally see that. And that's a very like Hollywood thing with anything queer, whether it's a man or a woman or a non-binary person, just there is definitely something about Hollywood that deters people from being open about that element, even if it's something that they've been, they've embraced in the past. Um, when all of this went down, did Denise say that she was in an open relationship or just that sex with women didn't count? So I can't tell you too much, but no, definitely, I will say there was no question in my mind that they were okay with everything that was going on. Are you able to say why you thought um, that you were quick to believe that sex with women wouldn't bother or would bother her husband? Well, I mean, that's what I was told. So, by so it wasn't even a thought. It was a fact. No, exactly. Totally. So in addition to Housewives and the new podcast... You, I think you're also available on this new platform, Celeb Chat. Is that right? Like, you fans can literally have a conversation with you? Yeah, it's actually more than just a conversation. It's a live video chat. And, you know, there's different time increments. There's five minutes, 15 minutes. 
up to 30 minutes, I believe, and um, there's other celebrities on that in the roster. You can you go on. I mean, even if you're haters, you can come on and be like, I don't really like you. Let's talk about it. But you know, it, it's hard because you. Um, I want to spill secrets and tell everyone everything because I am just not one to keep secrets. It's the hardest thing that I can do. I mean, unless it's somebody else's secret that would ruin their lives. So I'm not going to, you know, a, one of my best friends in the whole world, I'm not going to say something. But clearly, um, Denise is not a best friend, as she said so many times. But, you know, there's things that I want to sit there and chat about that I, I have to keep quiet just for a little while. But it's, it's really fun and interesting to get, like, live feedback you know, instead of just doing a video, which you can also do, you know, for a shout out for your fans and whatnot, but it's nice to have a like one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's really, it's nice to get that feedback and hear what they think and, you know, and get their opinions on different things. And right now, like I said to my friends, I don't have anything to say to my friends because I talk to them every day and it's like, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. Same thing I did yesterday. So it's actually really nice to talk to strangers right now because I can I can actually have a conversation. You're like, I have new things to tell you because I've never told you anything. Yeah, that's exactly it. Thank you so much for taking 15 minutes to just give us an update on your life. So many cool things have happened and I'm sure next year is going to be even cooler for you. But I really appreciate you it's coming back. It's got to be better for all of us. Oh gosh, please, right? Like let's just, yeah. even just like a tiny bit better and I'll be super thrilled. Yes, it will be. We just have to manifest positivity, which it can be hard. And especially right now, and I go up and down with it. I'm like, fuck 2020. And then I'm like, okay, it's going to be better. It's going to get better because I have to I have to think that way. But yes, I'm trying to manifest positivity for all of the world. Uh, well, we'll get all, we'll all get on board with you and try to make that happen. I feel like if we all do it, then something good has to happen, right? Yeah, it has to. I, I did see. I say said, it out loud. Put it out in the world. We're all going to be okay. We're getting a vaccine soon, and we're going to get back to normal to an extent. Exactly. I saw a tweet the other day, and I, and I don't want to. I cannot remember who it was, and they may have been paraphrasing someone, but it basically said like, even though it is really hard this year, just remember that somewhere in the world, someone is getting good news today. Who knows what that is, but they're getting good news. So there are like positive things happening. Just focus on when that positive thing happens to you. No, absolutely. I agree. And I really do try, like I do try to focus on the positive. I make, you know, sometimes when I'm in a little depressive, like depressing like moment, you know, I, I do go into dark, dark times with my session, my kids are at their dads, but I always, I'm like, you know what? You're getting a break from cooking and cleaning. They'll be back soon and you'll be back to being, you know, their servant. So take that as a positive thing. I mean, so that's what I'm just trying my hardest for sure. Same. I'm in the same boat. So we'll just, well, I mean, I don't have the kids, but you know what I mean? Same kind of situation <laughs> every day. I'm, I, have, I have kittens. There you go. I just actually, I had Ryan's, one of Ryan's friends had kittens. I ended up with the kittens. Long story short, I just found them homes and I was like, oh, thank God. Fly little birds, be free, go start your lives away from me. <laughs> I mean, I think pets right now are saving our lives. I think sometimes kittens and puppies rather than full-grown animals are a little more difficult than you know the, the, their adult counterparts oh yes my adult cats are like hiding under the bed every day and those kittens it was like the matrix in here they were like jumping off the walls <laughs> and backflipping and it was crazy but yeah, i can imagine but thank you so much brandy i really appreciate you just taking the time to chat give us an update and we're really excited to kind of rehash the episode and have you on again 
Yeah, perfect. I would love that. And especially once we can do it in person. I feel like phone interviews are just, they're so disconnected for me, but I would love to do it. We'll get back into a studio and we'll do it in person. We'll have some pride vodka and yes. we'll time. Oh, that sounds amazing. All right, babe. Well, you take care. I'm going to go to the market. I, I would say market. I don't know. Supermarket, I guess. Whatever it's called. I'm going to the market. I got it. I know where you're going. You could Instacart it, but it's probably easier just to go for pepperonis on your own. Oh, no. I need I need to go myself. I'm oh, like, you're like, I have to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do, actually. Uh, All right. Have a good day, babe. Thank you so much, Brandy. All right. So now let's revisit some of last year's show. up in a very uh a tough neighborhood very tough and we didn't have a lot of money and my parents were hippies kind of and you know my dad sold pot we grew pot before it was legal I sold pot at my high school we were just progressive I guess you could say and my mom I was in dance and gymnastics and I think because of that like all of my coaches were gay and it just my mom had this like she just helped everyone. My mom, my best friend, Kim, her brother, Joseph was gay and his parents kicked him out of the house. And so my mom moved him in. And all of a sudden we had like four gay men living with us because they weren't accepted by their parents. And, um, it made, I feel like it made me who I am a little bit today because my kids are like, like that's just, they have gay friends at school. And I think that's great because back in the day, we, no one could say they were gay. Because God forbid, like you would get beaten up in our neighborhood. It was it was scary. While growing up, Brandy spent her time in dance, gymnastics, and later modeling. She says that one of her gymnastics coaches, Clark Jennings, helped her find the confidence to be herself. He always told me, like, he's like, you're a star. You have to just be you. So for my gymnastics routine, like on the floor, I decided I wanted... <laughs> Alton John's funeral for a friend and flight of the bumblebee I wanted to like I wanted to show that I was hyper hyper and then also like that like there's two sides to me because I don't identify as a straight woman I've had relationships with women and it's I, I don't even identify I don't know I hate putting label on it like there's so many labels out there and I I don't want to be a label I'm just me so it sounds like you just came out as not straight I've come out, I've said it a million times. I have, I'm not straight. I'm crooked as fuck. Drama is the fuel that drives everything in reality TV. Fans of shows like Real Housewives love drama, even if they don't want to get personally involved. Well, and there's definitely a level of like fabulousness to the housewives, to all of, all of them. Well, I mean, I feel like a, in a way... Some of the shows are getting a little bit toxic, a little bit too, listen, I don't want to ruin lives. I just, I want to watch people get in fight and throw wine. Like, I don't want to say someone's, you know, got issues here and there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have done that when I was under attack and I was lashing out and saying something back during my first season. And I have regrets about that. Um, But now I just feel like let's not go so deep. I mean, we don't need to ruin lives here. It's it's a it's a show that is train wreck TV, but there's children and stuff involved that hear all of these things, and it's just not okay. 
Right. So then there's like a level where it's like the wine throwing and that's enough. You don't have right. to. <laughs> yes. I mean, I feel like. Um, so Yolanda Foster and I, well, she's Hadid, sorry, not Foster anymore. We had this thing we called the vault and we knew things about other housewives that we would never say. And we promised to never talk about it. And it was only brought up one time by Yolanda to Kyle. And she's like, you know, I have a lot of things in the vault. And her and I, we had like, we had life ruining shit that we knew that we would never say. And that's ultimately possibly why we weren't asked back. It's just not enough drama. I mean, I feel like there's enough drama. I'm not going to ruin your life. You know, I'm not here to do that. I would never be able to live with myself. So, you know, there is, there are people that, you know, won't go that far. And then there are people that just are toxic. Which is a shame, right? Because you're these women who are powerful and very, you know, privileged in that way. And you have a lot of influence. Right. We're supposed to be bringing each other up. I mean, yes, there's always drama with girls. I fight with my girlfriends all the time. And, but like we, we fight, but that's a relationship and we make up, you know, that's what you're supposed to do because I care about them and watching the shows, like it's hard because I don't know that there are genuine relationships. So there aren't consequences and people just go low because they're just self-involved and don't give a fuck about anyone else. Right. But you have like a limit and you're just like, I'm not going there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not. Like, I, I've been there. You know, I did that once and I'm, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. I think that's so. a good place to be though. Right. When you just realize like it's not worth it. No, I have kids now that, 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 are, I mean, I've always had kids obviously for 16 years, but, um, now it would affect them like it is affecting, let's say Kelly Dodd's daughter. It would hurt them you know and they're at school and they could be teased about certain things and that's just not something i'm willing to do to my children or to like anyone's anyone no anyone's yeah right i'm not here to ruin your marriage i'm not here to say horrible things about you that get back to your kids and get them you know embarrassed by you you know you want your kids to love you and be excited that you're their mom yeah i don't know it's just it's a i think it's a balancing act that a lot of people can do and there are some people that just can't when we were getting ready to talk brandy told me about one of her best friends mia mia lives in florida and recently came out as transgender i met mia through a girlfriend and he was married she was married at the time for 13 years um to a horrible person and um we just fell in love. That's the truth. We were, we, it's like, it was like magic. I can't explain it. I had an instant best friend and I trusted her in everything. And she, she took care of me emotionally. And I went off to do Celebrity Apprentice with our president. And she Ooh, knew, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, she knew that I was scared to death because I didn't think of myself as that business minded person. And I was just doubting myself. And she was like, I'm going with you. And I think she was also escaping the fact that her husband at the time was cheating on her with everyone. And we just, I think it's been like eight years now. We're just, we are in love. Like she is my soulmate in a weird way. But unfortunately for her, she lives in a conservative town in Florida. It's um, Delray Beach. And it's a lot of older people 
And, you know, she realized while she was living with me in LA that she always knew she wanted, she was a woman in a man's body. So she decided one day to tell me. And then I told the kids and we we're like, yay, let's have a party. But now, you know, she's back in Florida. And the struggle is that she can't be her true self. She can't go out with, you know, her makeup and all of the things that she wants to do because of the judgment there. And also, you know, she wants to get some plastic surgery, like feminine, feminine, what do you call it? Like a facial feminization? Exactly. Um, That kind of thing, which is super expensive and she can't afford it. And um, any doctors out there that want to help, help, you know, I feel like it's important if you look in the mirror and you don't see who you think you, you should see. And I, I wish she could be here in LA with me. But, you know, she's got obligations there and she has a salon there. And I just feel like it's hard for her kind of hiding, not being able to be authentic. Back in 2015, when Brandy was on The Celebrity Apprentice, she took Mia with her. She um, is an amazing uh, hairstylist. And, okay. Yeah. So did a lot of your work when you were on camera or those sorts of things? Um, she, it, For The Apprentice, she did. I got her um, hired because she was just there with me. And I'm like, you know what? Can I, you know, everyone else had hair and makeup that they hired. I, I never, I don't really ask for things. I wish, I wish I would. But I did ask if she could get paid to do that. And so she was with me, like with me on set that whole time, which is if I didn't have her, I, I had like my first panic attack during that time. And um, if I didn't have her, I would have, I don't know what I, <laughs> it was horrible. Remember who used to host that show? Back before he infiltrated the White House, um, as far as uh, as far as Mr. Trump goes, we he was we didn't have any like horrible interaction. Where it's like, was he horrible? He wasn't horrible, and I wish I could say that he was. <laughs> kind of the one thing he did say to me, which is off, I thought a little inappropriate, is that I should never wear red lipstick, which I am wearing today. <laughs> so you can suck it. Uh, not you, DT. <laughs> Um, so I, that's the only, every other interaction that I had with him was fine. And usually it was off camera, but when the cameras came on, he definitely turned into a different person. And I feel like that's kind of who we're seeing at these rallies and, you know, at these debates is a version of himself, which is, he's turned on, you know, not like sexually, but like. (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe he does get off that. I don't know. But um, I don't know that that's his true authentic self. I don't know that he knows who that is. But um, my experience was he was kind off camera and then on camera he turned into someone else. But I mean, I, everyone's like, what? Was it horrible? It just wasn't, you know? It just was. It was. It was just fine. And Ivanka was lovely. The kids were nice. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Because at that time, they were kids. They were um, younger. They were they were in the boardroom with them. They were still. I mean, they were married. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they weren't actually kids. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and they were just lovely and articulate and everything you would think you would want your how you would want your kids to act. Yes, do I know more about them now that I don't agree with? Of course I do. But just my personal experience wasn't horrific. Right. But you had Mia there, too. I did. If I didn't have you Mia, I, <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. It was, yeah, it was a very, it was probably the hardest show that I've ever done. Really? Yes. Even with all the wine in the face and I, throwing? I, I'll throw wine anytime, girl. I, no, it's because, you, like, there's this pressure to ask all of these people in your life for money. And 
you have to ask them like right now and they, you need it right now. So I'm cold calling all of my friends going, can you give me five grand? Can you? I mean, it it's the most uncomfortable thing ever. I don't yeah. ask anyone for anything ever. So then to ask them, and by the way, can you wire it right now? This second. Yes, this second. Um, So it was very stressful. And if you didn't get enough money in, you were called out, you know, on TV and you were like, oh, the le- you got the least amount of money in. And it was just so stressful. So for wait, me. when the money comes in, I don't actually remember how Celebrity Apprentice worked. When the money, what would happen? So like, this is shady as f. Okay, okay. this is what I think. So, well, I know this. So, so <laughs> I don't think no. I know. So, so whoever wins at the end, like the end of like your, um, you know, there's different teams at the end of the challenge. You know, you have to get all of your money in and it goes into this trust, the safe, which obviously is getting interest. Like it's sitting there for a long time and there's a lot of interest because it's not going straight to charity. It's going into a bank account. And then once the person wins, then they'll figure out how to get it to charity. But they're, I mean, we rate, I alone on one, um, I raised over $250,000 and like that's sitting, it's one person, there's like 20 of us. So there's a lot of millions of dollars sitting, making money until the end of this show. And I'm like, I actually asked them in the producers, I go, I want to know where the interest from all this money goes. Do you guys give it to charity? And it was like, she was, she shook her head and started laughing. She's like, Brandy, don't. And so I'm, I'm curious. Where does it go? I would like to know. And how much did they make? And I mean, I guess they have to pay for the show somehow. But yeah. um, I mean, it just seems like, yeah, it seemed a little weird for me. It was I don't know. It was just a whole bizarre thing that everyone, I feel like everyone was thinking it. No one would say it. Of course, I'm the a-hole that would say it. And it was like, and now I'm saying it again. I'm just curious, really. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, because they hold be on lot. to that money until like the end of the show when somebody wins. And if it's $2 million, it's some serious interest. Yes. You're talking about at least 100 Like If you're 1%, it's not 100, $100,000. $100, we'll have to do the math. Yeah, well, yeah I'm blondish, so it's not. I'm, I'm pretty good at math, but no. Donald Trump involved in something shady? What a world. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, a little more of our interview with Brandy from last year, where we gave her a crash course in LGBTQ plus history in the US, and some of the lingering questions about this year's drama. Welcome back. Today, we're rebroadcasting last year's episode with Brandy Glanville in light of her current drama and the queer aspects of it. Privacy is something that us non-famous people often take for granted. Going to the grocery store in sweats, breaking off a relationship, getting sloppy drunk at a friend's holiday party. You wouldn't normally think of things like the freedom to gain 15 quarantine pounds as a luxury, and yet, it kind of is. Some people would say that when you sign up to be a reality TV star, you forfeit your right to privacy. You let cameras into your home. You agree to let the world watch you go through life, and Bravo pays you for it. What do you think, Pride listeners? Did Denise give up her right to privacy with the Brandy scandal? And what about the outing component? Way back in 2011, on an episode of Howard Stern, Denise Richards shared a story about a sexual encounter with a woman. She didn't name her, just that she was well-known and beautiful. So, if she's already talked openly about sex with a woman, is Brandy just calling her out for cheating on her husband? I don't know. So let's get back to the original interview where we gave Brandy a crash course in the LGBTQ plus rights movement in the United States. 
When we talk about the movement here in the U.S., we usually start in 1969 with the Stonewall Riots in New York City. At the time, not only was homosexuality illegal, you could also be arrested for wearing gender non-conforming clothing. If you were a man, you could be arrested for dressing in drag. Women could face the same penalty for not dressing feminine enough. People from the time refer to these laws as the three-article rule, meaning police could arrest you if you weren't wearing at least three articles of clothing that reflected your legally assigned gender. So-called masquerade laws came about in the mid-19th century and made their way across the country for the next 100 years, the last one being signed into law in 1966 in San Diego. Laws like these gave the police free reign to harass queer people on the street. And that harassment had gone on and on for far too long. I feel like it goes on a little bit still it today. It does. depends. I think LA is progressive. I think in other states, they still have a lot of issues definitely to work through. Yeah. yeah. And they sometimes are working forward and sometimes they're going back and then... And sometimes they're going forward and going back at the same time. Two same steps time. forward, yeah, three steps back. So exactly. it's, it's difficult, but yes. In the early morning hours of June 28, 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village, Manhattan, while 200 patrons were inside. Raids on establishments that served LGBTQ plus people like this were commonplace at the time. People were physically checked by police officers before being arrested for cross-dressing. But this night, things went differently. As the police beat a queer woman with a baton and dragged her to a police van, a crowd gathered and mayhem broke out. The riots lasted for days and acted as a catalyst for organizing the LGBTQ plus community in the years to come. Wow, this is very, I, I right? really, I'm learning a lot. Five months after Stonewall, activists proposed a march be held the last week in June every year with no restrictions on dress or age to commemorate the riots. One of the committee members, Craig Schoonmaker, suggested Pride as the name for the movement. So he did, Schoonmaker, did an interview, I want to say it was in like 2015, where he said, people did not have power then, even now we only have some, which really leads into what you were just saying. Right. Like, we have a long way to go. They do. But he added, but anyone can have pride in themselves, and that would make them happier as people and produce the movement likely to produce change. Which is a really great, great quote, because what it means is anyone can take pride in themselves and create change. Well, as they should, but I, I feel like, unfortunately, there are conservative people around, like with Mia, like we talked about. She She's frightened to live her true self. Right. You know, and be prideful for who she really is. Yeah. And so, and it's, you know, it's not that she, she's not ashamed. She just, it's hard because the people around her are so conservative. Right. So, I mean, it's like, yes, it's easier to say have pride, you know, but it's hard to do. But don't get punched. No, God, no. Right? Like, have no. pride, just don't get beat up. No, no, God, no. Like, I hope for my kids, and I I know for my kids, like, they are so used to Mia being, you know, dressed as a woman in a wig, and sometimes she's not, um, and they have friends that are gay at school, and that's the world that I kind of grew up in, but I also grew up in my friend Joseph getting beaten up because he was gay. With like a baseball bat, not just beaten up, like punched out. Like he was, it was horrible. And so I feel like we are, we're getting there. Like, you know, my kids are, you know, they're at school and everyone can say we're getting there. We have a long ways to go though. Yeah, no, I agree. As sad as that is, right? You feel like was marriage, marriage equality was only a few years ago and that felt like, yes, this is it. Right. And then it's like, oh no, no we can't well, always go back. Exactly. 
And you know what, as long as we're, we're forging forward, as long as we're trying to get there, and I think the conversation is, you know, it's definitely making the rounds. People, we're talking about it now. We right. weren't talking about it then because you couldn't because then you would be shamed. Yeah. And, you know, I can have those conversations with my kids and and thank God, I'm just, I'm so happy that I'm raising children in this time where it is, well, you can say whatever you want. I'm yeah. like, you know, and you know, when they were little, like, I don't know if I'm gay or straight. I'm like, cool. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> but I, that was, that's How a conversation. 12 and 16 now. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know, those are conversations we had when like from, gosh, they were like four, you know, just because I, you know, I, after my split, I really only had gay men around me because they were like, they were my best friends and they became a kind of like father figures-ish to my kids on my time. So, you know, it, it's just not, it's just their norm. And I feel like I feel blessed for that. I just wish that would happen all over. In 1966, two years before the Stonewall Riots, a guy named Steve Ginsburg founded a radical gay rights political organization right here in Los Angeles. He called the group PRIDE, an acronym that stood for Personal Rights in Defense and Education. Later that same year, during a New Year's party at the Black Hat Tavern in Silver Lake, undercover police snuck into the bar and started beating and arresting patrons for kissing as they rang in the New Year. The Pride organization responded to that incident with the publication of a pamphlet, also called Pride. The Pride pamphlet later became The Advocate. I've learned a lot. Like I, I'm you not did? Saying, I, I'm not going to be that person that comes in like, I know everything, I'm this and this and this. I I didn't know a lot about that, about Stonewall. And yeah, no, it's true. And I don't think I would have just looked it up my, by myself just because my life was just like, we're all gay. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it is important to, I'm, you know, I'm going to share that with my kids. Amazing. Well, yeah, yeah, just have them listen to this episode. They can get the well, little history. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be like, let's segment out this little piece well, for you to listen to. No, they, they know I've had relationships with them and it's, it's, we've talked about it. So it's not that. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I just keep them young and sweet. <laughs> as long away, as possible. Keep them away from me. No, I'm already <laughs> corrupting them as it is. I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know that they need to, like, they haven't read the book. And we did Your talk book? about, yeah, because we talked about their dad and like, I don't just really think, noob. yeah, I just don't think it's, I don't talk about any of that with them. Yeah. Um. Well, they're 16 and 12. Well, yeah, we, they know what happened. Sure. They don't need to, I don't need to go into detail. They're yeah. very aware of what happened. So, you know, we've had discussions, but I don't need to talk about the Chardonnay and the this and the that. Right. So they don't need to listen. Or the closet with the wine. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it in there. <laughs> just talk about the sunglasses and the allergies. Oh my gosh, for sure. Remember when mom had allergies? All the time. For like During a year. the day. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> Even at night. <laughs> in the house, she didn't leave her room. The so allergies were that bad. Yeah. It was like cotton from her bedspread. <laughs> What are your thoughts, Pride listeners? Are you fans of any of the Real Housewives shows? Do you support Brandy or Denise? Let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Pride. And keep up with Brandy's wildlife on Twitter and Instagram at Brandy Glanville.
Thanks for listening. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. Yep, it's at Pride. That simple. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Two worlds combined. Ba-da-da-da. <laughs> 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 <laughs>